be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. Matthew 8, verses 18 through 22. Now, when Jesus saw multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. I'd like to join with um, Roy uh, earlier, who welcomed you all and welcome you myself, especially if you're among our guests, our visitors today. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come and be with us and worship our God with us together. It was a common sight to see uh, hordes of people following Jesus around. Some of those people had been attracted. His teaching, Matthew 7, beginning in verse 28, as Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says the people were astonished at His teaching, because He taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And then in verse 1 of chapter 8 of Matthew, just continuing the thought, Matthew records how great multitudes followed Him. So some were attracted by his teaching, others were attracted by his miracles. In our text today from Matthew chapter 8, uh, we begin in verse 18, as we'll study in a moment, but if you look in the previous two verses, verses 16 and 17, you read how Jesus had, um, uh, had cast out demons and healed those that were sick. And then verse 18 begins, and when Jesus saw a crowd around him. So you have some attracted by His teaching, you have some attracted by His miracles. And certainly it goes without saying that Jesus wanted people to follow Him. It wasn't a bad thing that there were crowds of people around Him. But Jesus wanted them to know what following Him required. And that if they really wanted to be His disciples, He wanted them to know what that meant. And it would not always be easy. We have a theme this year at Graber Road. And by that, it doesn't mean that it's that it governing everything that we do in our classes and sermons. But it's, it's, it's a principle that we are going to come back to periodically throughout the year, uh, in uh, sermons especially. And we've titled this theme, In His Steps. Subtitled, Following the Example of Jesus. And we're going to be looking, when we take the time to address this theme, we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus. If we're going to live a life that uses Him as our example, then we need to, at least to some degree, with 
who he was, what he did, his attitudes, his, uh, his actions, his personality, that we might try then to incorporate those things into our character. We've had one lesson already on following Jesus from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Today we look at another instance. Jesus addresses this idea of following him. And he does that by addressing two people about how demanding it is to follow him. One will call an impulsive scribe, and the other will call a distracted disciple. And in looking at these two men, we may find or catch a glimpse, perhaps, of ourselves. Let's look first at the impulsive scribe. Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew 8, verses 19 and 20. This scribe makes a very bold statement. It's a commendable statement. Bold. He comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, I don't know how much this individual had thought through that statement. But Jesus wanted to make sure that he had. Because that was the central question in response to his statement. Is did this man, did this scribe really understand what it would take to keep that promise? So Jesus helped him to think through it. His response to him in verse 20 was this. Foxes have holes. Air, they've got nests. Son of man, how Jesus often referred to himself, Son of man has no place to lay his head. You want to follow me wherever I go? You need to understand that. Jesus had a mission that required him to be constantly on the move. The nights were many in which he would either stay with others. He had friends in different places that would have him in their home. Remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus among them. Or perhaps he simply stayed outside. Don't we read Matthew 14 how in the evening Jesus sent his disciples off to themselves, and he went up on the side of a mountain to spend the night in prayer. Those were what the days and nights of Jesus looked like. And so Jesus said to this scribe who had made this very bold claim, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, do you really understand what that means? Jesus informed the scribe that if he really wanted to follow him, he was going to have to give up some personal comfort. I don't know if following Jesus was really what the scribe had envisioned it to be. And I wonder that about us sometimes. I wonder if following Jesus may not be, for some folks, what they envision it to be. 
But if that's the case, then you're not alone. There have been others that have had ideas in their mind about what following Jesus was like. And they found out that it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Examples? How about James and John? Ready to some degree, you know, following Jesus. They were with him. They were among his twelve chosen. But there was something else about that that they wanted, that they thought would be the case, but found out it wouldn't be what they thought. Mark chapter 10 is where we find that, verses 35 to 40, where James and John come to Jesus and they say to him, here we want. As a matter of fact, they actually come to Jesus and before they tell him what they want, they say, we want you to do whatever. <laughs> and Jesus says, what do you ask? And they said, we want for the two of us to sit closest to you when you come into your glory, into your kingdom. One on your right, one on your left. That's what we want. We want the chief places next to you in the kingdom. And the Lord's response was, Are you able to drink the cup that I must drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I must be baptized with? In other words, he was asking them, do you understand what it is that you're asking? And he knew they didn't. Because he even told them so. He said, you don't know what you're asking. And then those questions. Can you drink the cup that I must drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? Now, we understand what that was. Because he would refer to it later in, in those same terms. Can you drink the cup that I must drink, Father? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Matthew 26, 39. He was talking about the cup of suffering. He was talking about the baptism of suffering. And so he asked them, can you do that? Now their response was, yes, we're able. And so Jesus said, okay. Then you'll drink the cup that I must drink. You'll be baptized with the baptism that I'll be baptized with. But specifically, what you're asking is, is not mine to give. I wanted to be close to Jesus in His kingdom. And they would be exactly that. They just didn't understand what all that meant. Did James and John face persecution? Because of their closeness to Jesus? Read the early chapters of the book of Acts. Sure they did. Jesus answered their request. He granted them what they wanted. We want to be close to you in your kingdom. And he said, okay. But it wasn't what they expected when they first came to him with that question. But that's what Jesus meant. What about um, the rich young ruler? Matthew 19 comes to Jesus, verses 16 and following, and, and says, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, I've done that. I, I've, I've done that since I was a boy. Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. 
Go and sell all you have. Give to the poor and then come and follow me. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Well, that wasn't what he expected. He didn't know it was going to be that hard. And so Matthew records that this young man walked away in grief because he had a lot of possessions. But he was unwilling to part with them. He went away sad and disillusioned because following Jesus was not what he thought it was going to be. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is not what some people are expecting when they come to Jesus desiring what he has to offer. And so Jesus told people to consider the cost of following him before making the commitment to do that. In Luke 20, excuse me, Luke 14 verses 25 and following, Jesus told a couple of parables about that. And he said, you know, a person person who's wise doesn't begin to build a tower before he first counts the cost as to whether or not he's got enough money to finish it. And a king does not take his troops into battle unless he has first sized up the enemy to see if he has enough troops himself to be successful in the battle. Now, both of those points are designed to say, you know what, before somebody embarks on an important endeavor, they need to consider what's involved in the endeavor before they commit themselves to doing it. And that was in the context of people wanting to follow him. So Jesus said to people, you need to make a decision, but you need to make it based on the truth. You want to follow me? Really? That may not be what you think it's going to be. So the cost may be high. Do we want people to follow Jesus? Well, sure we do. Did Jesus want people to follow him? Sure he did. But he also wanted them to understand that following him might be costly. And he didn't hide that from people. Sometimes following Jesus means severing relationships. Maybe relationships with friends who in the past have have hindered your walk as a Christian and Maybe you've come to realize that I, I have so much difficulty being faithful to the Lord while surrounding myself with these individuals. So for the Lord's sake, and for my own spiritual health, I'm going to have to sever those relationships. That may be a cost that you have to pay to follow Jesus. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's not just friends. Maybe it's family. Who, for similar reasons, would hinder you from being faithful to the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, He that loves father or mother more than me, not worthy of me. Sometimes following Jesus is costly. 
Might it cost some a job, a career? Because the one you're presently pursuing will not permit you to serve the Lord at the same time. Sometimes following Jesus involves giving up destructive habits, forms of recreation that are not very godly. See, repentance is an indispensable part of coming to Jesus. Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. So, yes, joyous occasion to learn of someone who wants to follow Jesus, but we do not help people if we fail to inform them that following Jesus is costly. And some folks have not made up their minds yet that they really want to follow Jesus. Because they haven't severed relationships that they need to sever in order to be faithful to Him. That's what Jesus was saying to the scribe. I'll follow you wherever you go, all right? Here's what that means. See, some people want to follow Jesus in the sense that they want the blessings Jesus has to offer them, but they don't want the commitment that comes with that. So they want to hold on to productive habit. They want to maintain relationships that they don't need to maintain. They want to put one foot in the church and put one foot in the world and try to live that way. God says you can't do that. What about the distracted disciple? See the impulsive scribe? Now, the distracted disciple. Here's an individual, verse 21, who says to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. The implication is, if you'll, you know, if you'll let me do this first, then I'll come follow you. Now that seems like an honorable request. There's certainly nothing wrong with it in and of themselves dealing with those types of matters. There are some things we don't know about this situation. We assume, and it may be a safe assumption, but we assume that, um, uh, that this man's father was dead already and just hadn't been buried. Well, that's an assumption. Perhaps the father wasn't even dead yet. Maybe this disciple was saying, you know what? I've got these family matters and I'm close to my family. And when all of that is handled, when all of that's over with, when I've dealt with all of my family situations till finally my father himself is dead and buried, then I'll come. The circumstance. It's also possible that the first circumstance was, uh, is, is correct. There are just some things we don't know. And the Lord's response to that sounds kind of strange. When He says to the man, you know what, why don't you let the dead bury the dead? It sounds strange until you consider the fact that the Lord was probably using the term dead in two different senses. A physically dead person 
physically bury another physically dead person. That's an impossibility. So certainly Jesus was not telling him that. But isn't there another state of human condition that we usually refer to as spiritual death? Yeah. Separation from God, right? When, we are, when our sins separate us from God, that's spiritual death. And when a person, uh, you know, when a person comes out of the world, they obey the gospel and are saved. The Bible talks about how they have come out of a dead state and now they're spiritually alive. Okay, so we understand the terminology. I believe that's what Jesus was telling this man. Why don't you allow the spiritually dead to deal with the physically dead? In other words... Sometimes following Jesus means allowing other people to handle lesser tasks while we devote ourselves to higher tasks. It doesn't mean, again, that there's anything inherently sinful in dealing with death. You know, we, we have to do that to some degree. What Jesus was trying to impress this individual with, I believe, is the issue of priority. That to follow Jesus is to restructure our priorities, which includes placing Him above those physical blood family ties. mentioned this in passing a moment ago, but it comes up again here. Jesus did that Himself. Remember Matthew 12, toward the end of that chapter, when Jesus was involved in, in some... Uh, matter and uh, some people, you know, came through the crowd and they said to Jesus, "Hey, your your family's out there, and they're looking for you." That's Matthew twelve forty six through fifty. So they come to Jesus. They said, "Your you know your 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 mother and your brothers are outside, and they're looking for you." Remember his response? It's probably shocked a lot of the people that heard him. He said. Who, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he defined it for them. It's those that seek God. Those that put spiritual things first. These are my family. Now that doesn't mean that we are authorized by God to give neglect to our families. Please don't misunderstand that. Jesus didn't even do that. Even when He said, that, you know, the, the people that follow God and obey His commandments, these are my family. It was that same Jesus who on the cross in John 19 looked down at His mother and said to the Apostle John, you take care of her. So it's not a complete neglect of family. It's just a matter of making sure that our priorities are where they should be. And so if it's not possible for us to bury the dead, to deal with more carnal, worldly, mundane matters without our relationship with Jesus suffering, then we just need to let the dead bury the dead. That's what Jesus was saying to this man. Are your priorities where they need to be? Now, can that be hard? Yeah. Yeah. 
But it shouldn't be unexpected. The Apostle Paul said in Acts 14, verse 22, that it is through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom. Sometimes we don't tell people that. Jesus was not afraid to do that. He was not afraid to say, if you want to follow me, that's great. But here's what it costs. And ultimately it costs you your way. It's a complete devotion to Him. An impulsive scribe and a distracted disciple wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus wanted them to know that following Him is a demanding proposition. And it has not changed from that day to this. When the Spanish explorer Cortez landed on the coast of Mexico to begin his conquest of Mexico for the Spanish, he arrived there with 11 ships and some 700 men. At once Cortez and his men were off the ships, He set fire to them all and burned them in the harbor to say to his men, there is no retreat. We're here. We are staying here. And we are completing our mission. That was a bold on the part of Cortez. What? wanted to impress upon those who were following him, we have made a commitment. And we are cutting off all avenues of retreat. We have made a commitment to following Jesus. Regardless of how hard it is, our sacrifices that we are called upon to make, Don't look for a ship to take you somewhere to a place of ease. Burn the ships. And set your face in the direction of heaven. And regardless of what gets in your way, you stay true to that commitment. Regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of how hard it is, I will make my destination. That's who Jesus wants following Him. Is that you? If it's not, then I suggest as strongly, but as kindly as I can, reassess what you're all about. And make the commitment that you need to make in view of the commitment that Jesus has made to you. You There were people that tried to get in His way too. And there were great obstacles that He had to face.
But he went through that garden in great anguish. He went through the arrest, the trial, and death. Facing on the cross separation from God because he bore the sins of humanity. Even though with just one word he could have brought an end. He was that committed to you. It's not too much to ask for us to be just as committed to Him. Maybe you haven't made the commitment yet, but you want to. Do it today. Accept not only what Jesus offers you in terms of salvation, forgiveness, the hope of heaven, but accept also the challenge of truly being His disciple and following Him wherever He goes. If you're already a Christian, but your commitment has waned, rededicate yourself today. And if we may pray with you, let us know what your need is as we stand together and sing.